Hello, guys, ladies, fellas, fans, subscribers. Welcome to the Football Frame of Mind podcast. This is episode 16. We're going to get into some uh, some more college football uh, today. Um, like I said, college football is in full swing. We have some great some great news. Some great teams make great moves in the offseason. So it's good time to just kind of reflect on that. But before we get into all of that, we want to talk about our games to watch. You know, that is something that we want to, you know, to break down and everything and just kind of see where our opinions are and what games we will be tuning into. But before we get started, how you doing, bro? I'm doing good, man. I'm, uh, we're just lucky to be here. Lucky to be alive. Lucky to be talking about football and lucky to be talking to each other, man. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. I will get started on the games to watch segment, man. So my first game to watch is Ole Miss and Tulane, September 9th. Uh, Tulane came off probably the best season ever for the Tulane Green Wave or whatever. Uh, hmm. 12-2 last season. And I think they want to be that representative going into this expansion for the playoffs. I think they want to stick their name in there being that first group of five team in there for that playoff spot next season. So mm-hmm. this would be a good game for them to show out and say, hey, we might not make it this year, but next year y'all better look out because we taking we taking somebody out, you know, and mm-hmm. out or whatever. So and for Ole Miss, man, I think it might be a trap game for them. I, I hate to say it early in the season, but that's a trap game, man, because the team that has the success that they had last season with returning players, Mm-hmm. I think they are in a position to just completely <laughs> drop the ball this season, man. And that would be bad. But I don't think it would be a firing offense from Lane Kiffin. No, but I could definitely see. I could definitely see. Is that is that at Tulane or at Old Ole Miss? Uh, I, I don't know. I didn't write that part down. If that, I'm pretty sure that would be a home game for Ole Miss. I could see Ole Miss go in. I could see Tulane go in there and stun them. I mean, look, man. I mean, you went and you knocked off USC. That's a big deal. Even though you might lose players, they've got a lot of the core guys returning. I could definitely see them stunning Ole Miss earlier in the season like that. Yeah, I agree, man. Um, I <laughs> I just think that's a big that's a big game because. Yeah. It's early, and Tulane could have, you know, an opportunity to go to a New Year's Six Bowl game if they, you know, win the rest of their games. But that's a really good game for them to really stick it to the college football playoff, man. Mm-hmm. Because you're, it's gonna be you're gonna be hard to find another good win for for a team like that. You mm-hmm. know, obviously, you got some upsets that could happen between other. Uh, Power five and group of five teams, but that's a big one because that's what the American Conference and the SEC. Yeah, Tulane's and I want to say the I American. think they're in the American. I think they used to be in Conference USA. They may be in the American now. I'd have to don't quote don't quote me on that, but man, so like still, I said, it's still a group of five. I mean, that's still a big deal. Yeah, watch our conference realignment episode to find out how we feel about that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> But but uh but yeah, I think that's a big game for for uh, Tulane, man. Um, my next game is um Georgia versus uh South Carolina, September sixteenth. 
Um, I think that's one of the toughest games on Georgia's schedule this year, uh, simply because of Spencer Rattler at quarterback for South Carolina, man. Um, I think that gives them an opportunity to win this game. And Georgia's schedule is weak, so if they were to drop this game, I don't think they get back into the playoff picture unless they went out after that because they don't have a good strength of schedule. Kind of like uh, Bama a few years ago when um, they had lost to – I forgot who they lost to, but they didn't have enough strength of schedule to get in the, the playoff. So they eventually mm-hmm. just put – It's uh, not my fault sometimes. Yep. So, like I said, I just think uh, I just think that's a big game for for them moving forward this season, man. Because both teams, I think South Carolina is rising. I think they are a team in the East, and if they were to win that game, they could legit be in Atlanta. Like, because think about that for a minute. You you beat Georgia. I think they're in a better place than Tennessee. Honestly, they could definitely run the table. Exactly, because you beat Georgia, which would give you the head-to-head and the tie, right? So they have to win mm-hmm. twice. They have to lose twice. You have to lose twice for them to beat you, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Then you got Tennessee and everything, right? But with Spencer Rattler, I would put them in a better spot than anybody else, just simply because he's a made man at quarterback. So I I have faith in him more than any other quarterback they're going against, you know, even against Georgia, I think it's just going to be that Georgia defense. Like if they get after mm-hmm. Rattler, he doesn't play very well when you get after him. But if you let him do his mm-hmm. thing, he can light you he up for 500 yards. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. big game, big game. So we'll do three-game intervals for the people out there. But so my third game is uh, Bama LSU, man. That is the premier matchup in the SEC mm-hmm. this year. Because I believe going into that game, um, I think that everybody's going to be undefeated. I think it's going to be as usual, Bama LSU, man. I think it's going to be a good game from uh, two teams that have a lot of NFL talent. Uh, and it's going to be a good game to watch, man. Um, like I said, if I had to pick a team to have a loss, it would be us. And I'm going to tell you why. Because people sleeping on Texas, right? Texas has mm-hmm. uh, Texas has a, a chip on their shoulder to be, to leave the Big 12 champion. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's the chip I don't like. And I always give the advantage to the team with a quarterback. If you watch our show, if you have a made man at quarterback, I like that matchup against the other team. And they have a made man in Quinn Ewers, man. He's a gamer, man. I think he's just ready to take that next step and being probably the first overall pick in whatever draft he comes out of. So I just think that scares me a lot because I know Steve Sarkeesian. I know how he coaches. I know how he calls plays. The fact that he has a good quarterback, (laughs) you know, who is, I think, light years away better than uh, Mac Jones in this part of his career, mm-hmm. that scares me a lot. So if we don't show up, we probably will be in the same spot we was last year, fighting to the end to win. But 
I don't want to be in that spot because we don't have Bryce Young this year. And that's not a place I want to be. <laughs> not when you're going against Jaden Daniels and them. Exactly. Especially so, if you've already got a loss on your freaking. Exactly. So not a place you want to be in to be fighting. But I say this, if they came into that game with a loss, Bama beats LSU. It's not, it's not even, it's nasty. If, if they have the mindset that they supposed to have coming into that after that loss, that's, that's not going to be a good game because it's like, oh, whoa, wake up, right? But if we undefeated, it's still 50-50 in my eyes because, because like I said, LSU would be one to win, you know what I'm saying? But do they have the, um, the championship mindset, right? To know like, okay, we're undefeated. This is our chance to really ascend above Alabama. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Keep the keep the talking going. Cause I think last year what y'all had a like a loss or two, right? A one one loss coming to before that- we played Alabama, the only loss we had was Tennessee. Because right. we had that debacle at Tennessee, but after that game, they took <laughs> off and the offense started clicking. And when they went to that Alabama game especially into the fourth quarter, that's when it really clicked. Like, okay, we can really run the table. And obviously we lost another game or two after that. But, yeah, that's how it fell. Okay. So, that's like I said, that's my point, right? So, you come into that game undefeated, it adds a lot more pressure to it. Because I mm-hmm. think coming to that one, you were the underdog. Right? Last year, you were the underdog. Yeah. So, it's like, boom. And we weren't even that – we weren't that good, honestly. I just think uh, – I'm trying to say philosophically, we were horrible. <laughs> like we didn't have uh we didn't have the best scheme to really play. And I think a lot of people were frustrated with how Bill O'Brien was calling plays, right? But mm-hmm. coming into that game, I think it was just even because we weren't right, we weren't ready to play. Like we really weren't ready to play at all. And that hurt, man, especially after losing to Tennessee. Like that sucked. You know what I'm saying? So, like, kind of just went into it like, oh, well, shit, if we win, we win. If we lose, we we lose, man. But I still, like I said, that's a big game for the SEC West. Like I said, I just think it comes down to those those two teams. Now, if, um, you know, Texas A&M want to get their act together, uh, you know, that could be crazy. But – I'm just not – the talent's there, and you know how I stand. I'm not sold on. I just – I think Bobby Petrino's going to really help that offense, but I just don't know how they're going to coexist. I wonder if there's going to be a power struggle or if Jimbo's going to be like, okay, nah, I don't like the way you're doing this. Like, you know what I mean? You've got so much talent, but I could definitely see things going south. I'm not saying he gets fired, but I don't see them coming out of the West. I just there's still a lot of question marks. I feel like regardless of how much talent, because I mean talent wise, they've got as much talent as LSU, they've got as much talent as Georgia, and they've got as much talent as Alabama on their roster. But can you put it together and you know turn it into a winning product? You know, true, like. <laughs> Like I said, I'm not sold on them at all. Like, I'm just not sold. I just think Jimbo's collecting a check at this point because <laughs> he's getting that big contract. Yeah, he's getting a check, man. And when they fire him, they got to pay him out. Gonna, that check's going to be a lot bigger, ain't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but like I said, we'll see. But let me hear some of your games, man. I did my, my first three. Let me see that. 
So that last one was definitely on my list. I figured one of us was going to touch base on that for sure. My number one game to watch is week one, Florida State and LSU. I think that game holds a major impact on the college football landscape this year. Because you look at it like this, if Florida State runs the table and they find a way to beat them again, they're going to shoot up the polls. And if they beat LSU, that means Jordan Travis probably played really freaking good, and he's going to try to cement himself early as a Heisman finalist. Uh, I think LSU's got a better roster. I think they've got better coaching. I think that the culture is pretty much established, and I think they're ready to try to run the table this year in year two. Uh, dude, there are so many star athletes on both sides of the ball for both teams. I think this game this year will blow last year's game out of the water. I think there was a lot of uncertainty. I think there was a lot of, obviously, adjusting and things like that with him coming year one. Dude, that game's going to live up to the hype. And a game of that magnitude in week one, definitely, I think that uh, I think LSU pulls it out, but I don't think it's going to be a landslide. I think it's going to be a really back-and-forth game for sure. I do too, man. Um like I said, man, that game could set off a lot in this Everything. Season, man. Because look, all off season we've been talking about Florida State. Like, mm-hmm. are they ready to take this step and challenge Clemson for the conference? And I'm not, I'm not there yet. I just think Clemson is probably gonna return to form next this season. So mm-hmm. But a win against LSU in week one just adds more confidence, you know what I'm saying? So even if Clemson returns to form, I expect that game to be competitive later on in the season, right? But if we're speaking this matchup, I don't know, man. I just think it's two teams that have been smelling their roses all offseason, like LSU, SEC West champ, uh, Florida State. I think they won like 10 games or something like that, which is hasn't happened in a very long time. So they're trending upward. Uh, LSU is trending upward. So it's going to be a tough game, man. I really I really couldn't pick that game if I was you, if, if I was a betting guy. I couldn't pick it. Like, I just think LSU matches up better against them, man. I think their quarterback I – think, I think it's a good quarterback battle. But, dude, I just think they got more weapons. I and mean, a whole offseason for that offense to click. Their offensive line's solid, bro. Like, and that defense with all them other guys, you got Mason Smith coming back. You got Harold Perkins coming back. And Florida State's got some guys on defense too, but, man, I just – I don't know. Man. I think they win, but I don't think it's anything more than a, a two-touchdown win. Like, I don't – I could see it definitely being seven points or less for sure for whoever that's, ends up pulling that's that one That's what out. I'm saying, man. And if we're going quarterbacks, I don't know, like <laughs> – yeah, I might have better weapons, but I don't really know who's better, to be honest with you, because Jordan Travis, you know, is cool. He's good. And then Jane Daniels is, is good, right? But will he be able to win passing the ball? That's the thing. Because you can run. Both of them can. But somebody got to pass the ball. So who's yeah. going to have the, the the biggest game passing because I think probably going to win the game, man. And I don't know, man. I just think, like I said, it's going to be a defensive game because, like I said, uh, Florida State has my the, my defensive player of the year in college, uh, Jared Burst. So, mm-hmm. if anything, if he don't ball out on defense or at least garner some some attention, it's going to be it's going to be a rough day for them. 
because mm-hmm. you know, that's a big game for him. Like, I know we don't like to talk about draft stock in the season, but shoot, somebody got to. And that's a big game for him. If he ball out against an LSU team, then the little scouts going to write in their notepad. Oh, yeah, he's a gamer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's a big game, man. But I, I can't pick that one at all. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm so uh, another game I feel like people are not talking about. My game, too, is going to be USC at Utah. Utah mm-hmm. had USC's number last year. Two times. Caleb Williams two times. Uh, everybody watching knows how I feel about Caleb Williams. I don't really care for his attitude. I think he's a little arrogant. And I think Utah's going to come out, and I think they're going to put him down again. I think that USC, man, they start to put some things together, and then the polls and all the analysts swear that USC's back to USC of old, and they're going to run the table. That, I think, is going to be a really good game. But, dude, Utah's got a really good quarterback, too, dude. Utah's got a lot of talent. They match up really well against USC, and it's at Utah. It's not at USC. I'm telling you, that's going to be a really fun matchup for sure. I just I could see that one being a freaking shootout, like 40, 50 points. Easy, easy. like there's so much speed on both teams. uh, Cameron Rising, dude, he's a freaking baller. Caleb Williams is a baller. I like Cameron. I'm telling you, that's going to be a freaking shootout. I like and I feel that. like I feel like that's gonna really have a major pull on who who's gonna come out of that conference for sure. Because if Utah pulls that out against USC, I don't know if USC can recover from that. I think that if they were to lose that game, I think that's a big deal that nobody wants to talk about. Nah, Especially dude. with that being that last year in that conference, like like we already said, I think a lot of those teams want to send USC and UCLA out on a bad note. Yep. And, dude, you, like we said, Utah has USC's number. And I would not be surprised at all if Cam Rising and them boys put them put them out early, honestly. I could see them beating them by at least two touchdowns. Like, just – I just – I don't know. I think that'd be a really good game. Okay. So, all right. So, you talk about Caleb Williams' attitude. Look, you have a bad attitude, too, if you were the quarterback of USC, okay? Everybody love you. And you just won the Heisman? Man, can't nobody tell you nothing. <laughs> and you're in Los Angeles? Can't nobody tell you nothing, man. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Nobody can tell you nothing, man. It, it, it's, it, I get what you said. I get what you said. No, I, I think when somebody has the – I think when someone has the stones to write F Utah on their knuckles after you done lost to them last time and then you get humbled and lose to them again, then you turn around and you lose to Tulane in a ball game and then you want to come out and say, oh, we just didn't want to be there. No, you took a big fat L after another big fat L and you need to be humble and put your, you put your head down and go play some ball. Like you're not untouchable, bro. And I'm really high on Cam Rising. And I think Utah could really make some noise this year, especially by beating them. Utah got always got some tough teams, man. They coach always have them ready to ball, man. I'm not even going to lie to you. They've been a tough team since Urban Meyer was there. So you know how mm-hmm. you know how long that's been. So, you know, mm-hmm. man, they, they've been a tough team for a very long time. And like I said, I would be surprised if they win, man. But I I'm am I'm not gonna pick USC. I'll pick Utah in that matchup just because I don't like I don't like what Caleb Williams said at, at Media Day, where it's like, oh man, we're going to the playoffs. We ain't even there yet. Dang. Nah, there's no guarantee, bro. Like that's that's where I draw the line. That's that's where, like I said, I I like I love his confidence. 
because I think mm-hmm. that'll help him at the next level. But yeah. I don't like I don't like that. Like don't call your shot in the playoffs because that means you're not even thinking about your conference games yet. And that's why you were and that's why you were in those situations you were in last year. You took three losses that you nine times out of ten probably should have won. But you came in with this mentality. You should have beat Utah at least one of those games, and you should have steamrolled Tulane, but you didn't. You let them hang in there the entire game, and Tulane wanted it more. I agree, man. I agree. I'm trying to make sure this dude okay. You're good. <laughs> my uh, my last like we're not obviously we're SEC guys. We're not really high on the Pac-12, but my third game is another Pac-12 game, and that's Oregon at Washington in Week Seven. Bo Nix versus Michael Phoenix. Okay. No, those two I, going to battle it out. I think that both of those teams are coming into the season very underrated. I think a lot of people think that USC is going to run the table and win the conference. Mm. But I'm not sold on that. Obviously, we're high on Michael Phoenix. And I think Bo Nix has got a lot to prove as well, especially after winning damn near every other game, after getting blown out by Georgia in week one. I think he's got a lot to prove. I could definitely see one of those teams being winning this conference. I think this game is going to have a major ploy and who's going to come out of that division. But, dude, I'm telling you, that's going to be a freaking battle. Both of those guys, I love the way they play. Uh, I love that they're hungry. And I really think that uh, guys like that and that conference can really help that conference stay afloat, especially building that kind of mentality and culture when you have two of your biggest name schools leaving in a year or so. I think this matchup is going to be very underrated from a standpoint of the Pac-12 not as highly regarded. But, dude, I could definitely see that being a classic for sure, especially like at the mid, almost a little past the midway point of the season in week seven. Right. I'm just looking at, I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at that, uh, my list right now. And I think that's for, that's for the Pac-12 championship, man. I'm not that's sure. That's what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not sure if they are in, the same conference, but it, or yeah, division, sure. but uh, if they are, that's for the representative from their side. And obviously, you know, I'm I'm high on Michael Penix. I think he's my Heisman front runner coming into the season, and I think that Washington might be my team to sneak into the playoff. You know what I'm saying? Because, yeah. So I, I think they, you know, they will have been going through some tough teams. And I think this game right here, if they can, if they can beat them, that that would be that would be big. That'd be a big deal. Because Oregon could easily get into um, the playoff too, going you know running the table or whatever. I don't think they could get in with one loss because the strength of schedule might not be there. But I think depending on the result of the game that they lose. I think they could still get in there, but they need that conference championship and they need to, they need to beat the the good teams. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. like I said, man, Washington is, Washington is, I'm high on Washington, man. I just think Michael Penix is about to take over this game this year. And I, I just think, you know, like I said, barring injury, I think he's probably going to take home the Heisman, man. Like I said, I just think that's, that's, that's just how good he really is, man. You know, but my next three games are Utah and Baylor, September 9th. I think that is a big game for me, and I think that's going to be an ugly game, to be honest with you. 
I think it's going to mm-hmm. be ugly. I think defense is going to actually win because, believe it or not, yeah, yeah. Baylor – yeah, Baylor can uh, do the spread when they need to, but I think that they run the ball very well, and uh, Utah runs the ball very well. And one thing about Dave Aranda, he going to play some defense. And one thing about Utah is they going to play some defense too. So I, I think that that game going to be ugly. It's going to be some hard hit, man. And I think that Baylor – uh, I think Baylor might win it just because I think they run a little bit better. But I'm not sold on a quarterback, as I always say. Uh, I think Cam Rising probably helps them win. But I mm-hmm. also think uh, I think Baylor, if they run the ball like they're supposed to, they can pull out on top. But I think – a pretty uh, cool matchup. Yeah, it's a really good matchup. That's why I put it on here. I was like, oh, they got Baylor as a non-conference? That's scary, man. That's scary, but that's that's actually a good one, man. That's actually something I would do on NCAA football, man, just to get my my rep up <laughs> to try to get into uh, try to get into the championship game, man. I would do that one because that's a good game, man. I think Cam Rising is a difference maker though, because I think he I, I think he's in his senior year this year, so I think he wants to go out on top. You know what I'm saying? Get some some Max Duggan type uh, action. Just like increase that mm-hmm. stock and try to get to New York, man. Cause that's how you that's how you really get in, into the draft, man. If you're like an undersized quarterback that goes to like, you know, like doesn't have the necessary skill set that they're looking for, but that's how you get drafted, man. If they know you just a gamer, man. And he is, man. Last season he showed mm-hmm. that. So I expect him to to do this, but our Baylor's not gonna be an easy game, though. Not at all. So uh, we did uh, – we talked about Oregon, Washington. So, I'm going to go – I'm going to go uh, Oregon State, Washington. That's a good matchup because we don't really – Oregon State made some noise last year, but we don't know who they're going to be with uh, DJ Ugalele going to be over there. Is he going to take that next step, you know? Like I said, I'm going to go – that's my game, November 18th. Now, keep in mind, November 18th, that's late in the season. So, if you Washington, you probably been battle-tested, man. And coming into, one, yeah. coming into that game, that might be a trap game because uh, you uh, you probably got Washington State at the end of the season for the Apple Cup, right? So, you're already looking at looking forward to that. But mm-hmm. you ain't going to be looking forward to that if DJU play like he's supposed to because Oregon State is tough, man. He gives mm-hmm. them instant star power because he is a good player. I just think schematically Clemson failed him. Like that's not the way he needed to be playing, man. He just needed to drop back, pass, and do what he needed to do. He ain't need to be running no read option because he's not that fast. And he's big, so they're going to hit him extra hard. So, no. <laughs> You just needed to have him do his thing. And I think they're going to open their offense up for him. I think they're going to let him play his game. Because I thought it should have been him and Bryce going one and two in this draft. But it's not. It it wasn't. So I think this year is big for him. He's got a ball if he wants to, you know, go to the next level and and actually play instead of going to Canada or something like that. (laughs) Like he needs Mm -hmm. to. He needs the ball out, and what a good game to do it in. 
to try to knock off Washington, who might be undefeated at the time, that's a big game. Big game for you. So, but I just think Washington might be on a mission. But if they drop that one, they definitely dropping that game to Washington State next, the next week because Cam, Cam, Cam Ward is sick, man. That dude's nasty. And he he gonna want to win that Apple Cup, man. But that's a good game anyway. I should have put that one on here because Washington, Washington State is good. But I try to stay away from robberies because they're usually good anyway. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, but that's the one you gotta watch because that's two good quarterbacks, man. That's balling out. I think that'll be good moving forward, man. And then, well, not the last game on my list, but the second to last game on my list. It's Florida State Clemson, man. Uh, September twenty third. That is huge in my eyes, man. It's a huge mm-hmm. game for the momentum of the ACC, man. Where are we going this year? I, agree. I am sold on Clemson returning to form this year, but I'm not going to discount the fact that FSU is in a place they haven't been in since Jimbo time. Fisher was there. You know. Um, as you're going to see in our top five uh, segment later, they've been through some tough times with some tough coaches, man, after that legendary um, Bobby Bowden days. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was such a, a big figure over that program that if you didn't even be in a national championship picture, you weren't going to last. And mm-hmm. a lot of the, the people that came after him, Jimbo Fisher did his thing. And let's just be honest, he won. He did win a national championship. So he he actually did what he was supposed to do. But logistically, he didn't win like he was supposed to. Often mm-hmm. it was just ugly. There was a lot of stuff going on there that really shouldn't have been going on, man. And so that takes away from the good that he did, in a sense, because of how he left the program. It was a nasty. Mm-hmm. But FSU is in a good spot. Um, gosh, I forgot their uh, their coach's name, but I love him. Mike Norvell. Mike Norvell, yeah. Like like I said in our last in our, one of our episodes, I think he's the coach that they didn't know they needed. Like a fresh face, nobody that's been known, for real, just come in with new ideas. Use the transfer portal as a weapon. Let's rebuild, retool, and let's try to win Florida, man. Let's try to keep a lot of these kids here, but let's win this transfer portal. And that's helped them kind of fast track this rebuild, man. But are they ready to really take on Clemson, man? They just got their new offensive coordinator, uh, Garrett Riley. They have a quarterback that fits what Dabo wants to do, that pass, run, pass, option type quarterback. And they got Will Shipley and a host of defensive players that are hungry to win another ACC championship. So mm-hmm. FSU has a tough task, but um, I, I think this might be the chance they can get it because after Jordan Travis leaves, who's next? You know, this is your best year to do it with the best quarterback you've had. This Jameis. This Jameis? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, yeah. So, this is your best chance to do it, man. You got some ballers on defense. You got some ballers on offense, man. This is your best chance to do it. It's probably the best chance you're going to have 
for the next two years because Kay Klubnik is not going anywhere because I think he's a sophomore. So mm. he's there for this year and he's probably there next year. And if he's good this year, he's definitely going to be good next year. So you're in trouble. And I don't know if they have enough juice to get him next year. So you might as well get him while you got it. So that's mm. it. Like I said, I saved my last my last game for after your segment, but definitely, definitely uh FSU clips. So uh there's a cool game that like I didn't have initially on my list and I kind of scrolled and found it. Uh is a uh, South Carolina and North Carolina. Out of conference it's game, early, the two teams it's an early game too, like early uh season game. Mm-hmm. I think the two teams, obviously ACC and SEC, I think they're both young, hungry teams that have a lot to prove. Uh, you have two Heisman hopeful quarterbacks and Drake May and Spencer Rattler, uh, two really good coaches in Mac Brown and Shane Beamer. I think that's a very underrated matchup. I think obviously uh, I think North Carolina can probably outscore South Carolina, but I think it would be a really good down the trenches fight. Uh, man, I think that's really a matchup that people really are not going to talk about because, like you said, I think South Carolina is a dark horse to come out of the East that nobody's going to talk about. And obviously, if anybody's watched our college football projection video, uh, I've got North Carolina coming out of the ACC. So I think this game could have a major ploy into how those projections come out because obviously they're not in the same conference, but, I mean, even out-of-conference game losses matter. Obviously, conference games matter more, but, man, you take a loss like that, that could really hamper how the rest of your season goes, especially for two teams that, you know, are hoping to maybe run the table and find a way there, find a way into the playoff before they expand to what a 12 team. I think, I think in the end, I think North Carolina would outscore them, but I don't think uh, Spencer Riley would make it really easy for him. I just think Drake May is next level. Yeah, I think he's next level, but um, Spencer Rattler has played at that level before. Mm-hmm. So let's not, let's not, let's not forget, you know, he was talked to being a Heisman candidacy before. Yeah. Caleb Williams was supposed to be in it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But because he was not there, that's why Caleb Williams was in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So I think, yes, he is uh, – Drake May is next level, and I think he helps North Carolina compete in this game. But I think South Carolina just has a better defense, man. I think the AC, the SEC recruiting has helped them on that front line. And I think that's the difference, man. I think I know, I know Drake May's awesome, man. But he can only play one side of the ball, man. Yeah, and I just I, don't know if South Carolina can contain that pass offense, dude. Because he can sling the hell out of the rock. I just don't know. I acknowledge they have a really good defense. I just don't know if they can contain a quarterback that is just that prolific of a passer. True, true. Like I said, being a gamer helps, man. But you know what? Mm-hmm. If it's, if it doesn't, I think it'll be a really good matchup, though. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. If it doesn't, if it doesn't come down to uh, defense, either way, it's gonna be a shootout, and I wouldn't expect it to be nothing less than fifty points on both mm-hmm. sides. Because, like I said, Spencer Rattler is a gamer, and Drake May is a gamer. You know what I'm saying? And what a big way to help your draft stock going in the next season than beating the SEC team, because that's probably the closest scouting you could give a team a prayer. 
mm-hmm. you know, uh, the best scouting assessment you can give a player is playing against the SEC because a lot of those players is probably going to be playing on Sunday. So mm-hmm. you play good against that, yeah, they, they'll, they'll give you more of a nod than anything else, you know. So I agree. So, yeah, man, so. Uh, my uh my game too. I mean, obviously everybody else is probably gonna have this game on their list, but dude, Ohio State going to the big house and having to go play Michigan, I think that game has major implications. Uh, we've already discussed where we see those teams falling. I've got Michigan making it to the national championship game, so I think this game has got to be one of the biggest games of the year from a just a a freaking cultural standpoint, from a traditional standpoint, and just from a playoff standpoint. Whoever wins this game. It's most likely going to find their way into a playoff spot unless there's a debacle at the end of the season. But, I mean, dude, like – and the way they've got the division set up really messes that conference up because these guys just beat up on each other and they don't get a chance. But, dude, I just from a star power standpoint, dude, they're freaking loaded on both sides. Then you got to go into Michigan. That's a tough – especially the kind of football that they're playing and the football that I feel like they're going to be playing – Ohio State's got a lot of weapons, but dude, that's gonna be a hard one to pull out, bro. Like, Man. I'm not saying they can't do it, but go and beat Michigan, who's probably gonna be red hot up to that point, and you got to go over to Ann Arbor and beat them. I don't know if I'm sold on that. I think it'd be a real just punch in the mouth game that whoever's gonna win's gonna have to really want it more and gonna have to fight for it because I don't think that anybody's just gonna give up and turn over for that one for sure. I think. Dude, I think that's 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 one of the most important games of the year. Like it don't matter mm-hmm. what they do in the season, because either way, somebody being spoiler, it's just mm-hmm. somebody's season. If you come in the game undefeated, somebody coming out with a loss, and their season is over. Everything mm-hmm. that worked for is over with. And even if Ohio State take a couple L's, right? And they come into that game, and Michigan's undefeated. They still spoiler because you lost this team two years in a row, which hadn't happened in a long time, right? Mm-hmm. So you you can play spoiler either way, man. And, and I think Michigan is under the most pressure in that game because they just made the playoffs. You beat them two years. Mm-hmm. In a row. And this is probably your best quarterback you've had in this robbery since Jim Harbaugh took over. Mm-hmm. For sure. McCarthy is probably the best. I would agree. J.J. McCarthy is the best quarterback he's had up to this point. He's had some other good guys who ended up transferring out because of competition. But I think J.J. McCarthy has got a lot of intangibles that kind of separate him from these other guys. Right, and I've never been sold on Ohio State's defense. It's always been offense to me because mm-hmm. the the show we put on them in the, the champ, national championship game, me being in Bama, right, I just was like, ain't no way Devontae Smith getting off for like 200 yards in the first half. Ain't no way. That's not supposed to happen, you know? So I've never been sold on their defense. Ever. It's really hit or miss. And, I mean, look at last year. They almost pulled out a win against Georgia, but they gave up how many freaking points? That was a freaking shootout. Exactly. Had they played just a little defense, they probably wouldn't have mm-hmm. had to go that, that Well, way. they probably would have won that game and found themselves in a national championship. For exactly. sure. Exactly. We wouldn't have to see TCU in there. Well, we would have. <sighs> we would have. 
but it would yeah. have given us it would have given us something that we needed to that would have set the the big 10 rivalry between them off completely because do you understand mm -hmm. what kind of bragging rights that would have been if michigan mm -hmm. would have beat them two times in a season that's never happened ever so now you beat them twice and you beat them for a national championship bro oh my god talk about annoying fans never hit the end of that Bruh, like, talk about annoying fans in, in Ann Arbor, bruh. We would have never heard the end of it. Mm -hmm. We beat them twice. What? Yeah, yeah. Charles Woodson. <laughs> That's all they talk about, right? But, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, that that, that would have been nice, but we got cheated out of that and got some Play-Doh for, for the national championship game. <laughs> That's all Not even, I wouldn't even disrespect Play-Doh like that, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that was My, uh... ugly. My third matchup, man, is Georgia and Tennessee in week 12. Okay. I like that. I think that uh, obviously we don't know where both of those teams are going to be at up to this point. I think realistically speaking, I think Georgia beat South Carolina by the skin of the teeth. I think Georgia's probably going into that game probably undefeated. If I just have to just think realistically, do I think it's going to happen? Not necessarily. But if I'm just going to bank on how they've been, Let's say Georgia's undefeated up to that point. Now you got to go to Tennessee to face a quarterback that could sling the hell out of the rock. And we've got to think up to that point, he's got to have put his game together, and he's got to be playing really well up to this point. Let's just say that. That's a tough matchup because at that point, you're not, you're not at home no more. You've got to go to a pretty hostile situation, and I don't know if Georgia can pull it out at that point. I'm not – and I don't want to seem like a Georgia hater, but that's a hard game to win, dude. I think that's a, a freaking fight. I'm a Georgia hater, but not like that. <laughs> but but I think, man, I don't think people give Tennessee a lot of credit because obviously they lost their quarterback. But I'm telling you, if he puts the pieces together and Tennessee's anything close to what we think they'll be, they could definitely walk out of that game with a W and freaking spoil Georgia's season. I could see Georgia going undefeated and going into week 12, last game of the regular season, and getting spoiled that last game. Not in a blowout, but by the skin of the teeth, I could see anywhere like three to seven points. Tennessee could maybe pull that one out, depending if things go their way. That game could have a lot to play in how the uh, SEC title game goes. Because like we said, there's you don't know where South Carolina is going to be at. You don't know how Georgia is going to be on that Tennessee. It's going to be between those three teams. Realistically speaking, you're probably saying Georgia, but that game has a lot of implications on who's in that championship game. Mm. All right, so Tennessee and Georgia, man. Man, I don't know, man. I see Georgia's season going like three ways. Either they go undefeated and nothing really changes. Or they drop a couple games. Or that being drop, one. Or they drop more than a couple games. <laughs> well, best case scenario is option three. <laughs> yeah, best case scenario. Then best case the scenario is option three. I want them completely out of the picture. I don't want them even close to the national championship. <laughs> I just want all this hype to be over. I want them to go back to 1980 when they weren't even in the picture for real <laughs> after that. <laughs> I probably agree with you. But I'd yeah. rather it be between a couple in the West, but I definitely think that game's got a lot to uh, – going to hold a lot of merit with how uh, things shake up at the end. Because you got to think, that's the last game of the regular season for them. 
that could go either one or two ways. And I mean, like you said, they could be on a really high note and end up dropping that game, or they could be kind of like in the hunt and lose that game and get completely out. So, I mean, we don't really know, but I think regardless, I think it's still a really good matchup. I think that uh, it still holds a big deal for sure and how things are going to be looking at the end of the season. Okay. Okay. No, no. I think that's a good game. That's a big game, man. I just think, you know, Joe Milton and uh, Jalen Milrow are two quarterbacks this year of SEC, you know, starters potentially uh, that need to show what they can do. I mean, I know uh, Milton has a cannon for an arm, uh, but what made them – better last season was um Hendon Hooker's ability to run. Mm-hmm. People thought that was that was underrated, man. His ability to pick up four yards when they need him it is absolutely- he had an arm too man. He could roll out the pocket yeah, and sling it on his arm. arm. He had an arm but he was deceptive in that run pass option man and that was underrated. Mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of teams really game plan for that because they didn't think it was probably a part of the game but because they always spread you out. But, you know, mm. he was underrated, man. So I think if uh, Milton has a – if he has success running the ball a little bit in the offense, it'll relax a lot of the coverages. and give open everything more, else. Yeah, give him a lot more one-on-one opportunities. And his arm, that's nothing. All you got to do is put it in the bucket. That's it. <laughs> He's actually kind of mm. accurate throwing the deep ball, honestly. He's actually pretty accurate. You know, so that dude's got a cannon, bro. Yeah, and then if you flip to Miro, like you have to, you have to show you can pass the ball, man. But like I said, that's a big game too, uh, Bama Tennessee. But I do think uh, Georgia um, and uh, Georgia and Tennessee, that's a huge game, man. But one one game people aren't really talking about, man, because I just don't think Georgia's gonna be as dominant on defense. As they were the last, I, I would say I agree with you on that. I, I just don't just think so. Like they have better players than everybody else. Yeah, that's cool. We know but that. But are they going to play up to the same standard you've been playing to? I don't, I don't think so, man. I just I don't I don't think that I don't think they're going to be that dominant this year on defense and offensively. They're going to have to score some points, man. And the teams that can score on them is like. You know, you're going to have to score some points, man. You can't just win 30 to 10. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're going to have to score more points than that, man. Like, you're going to have to score at least 40, man, sometimes. And the day that you can't is the day you lose, man. And you can't. I mean, dude, playing teams like Tennessee and playing teams like South Carolina, even playing teams like Kentucky, that's not going to be a cakewalk, dude. All three of those teams have quarterbacks that could definitely go in there and for 250 or more. Yeah, I mean, you see they struggled against Mizzou last year. Like what I'm saying. Mizzou. So, I mean, like you 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 literally just out-athleted Mizzou. That's it. Cuz you really didn't beat them cuz they was in the game late. In the game, like you were losing that game going into the late in the fourth quarter. Like I was really hoping was, they would. Obviously, uh, we didn't get the win. Me too, man, but we just couldn't pass the ball, man. Couldn't we just couldn't pass the ball? Couldn't run either. Like that that would have helped. If we could have ran the ball a little bit better, 
But you wasn't running on that Georgia team, man. Like they had some dogs up front. <laughs> it was like mm-hmm. pancaking people on defense. That's how nasty it was up front. <laughs> <laughs> they wasn't beating them. But like I said, I just think they might take a step back, man. But my last game is actually a combination of two teams and a whole season. Okay. Uh OU in Texas versus the Big 12 all season long. Like, you got to watch the Big 12 this season all year I think the Big 12 is going to be a big deal. Uh, I'm telling you. Every game, if you got the Longhorn Network or you got the Big 12, Fox, or whatever, you need to watch every game that Texas and OU play against Big 12 competition. All year, don't matter who they playing. They could be playing Iowa State. They could be playing Texas Tech. Anybody. Watch all those games because they are going to be fire because nobody wants OU or Texas to leave with the Big 12 championship. I've said this on this show plenty of times. Nobody wants them to win the Big 12 championship Mm -hmm. last year in the conference. So I think every game – Every every game between those teams going even even the Red River rivalry is going to be fired because nobody mm-hmm. wants to lose the last one in the Big Twelve. So watching mm-hmm. these games is going to be a, an experience for everybody because nobody wants to see them win. And I don't think I think they're gonna have I don't think either of those teams are gonna be in the championship picture. Because I think they're going to lose a couple times because it's just going to be like that. Now, mm-hmm. now looking at the team, looking at both of those teams, you know, transit not transition into another topic, but just putting a spotlight on those two teams and their head coaches. Texas is in a good spot. I think Sarkeesian is safe going into the SEC, right? Mm-hmm. I think he's safe because he knows that they are going to – uh, he knows that area, so he can recruit. He can do all those things. So he's good. But Venables, on the other hand, is not safe. I don't. I don't know if I'm sold on like. I can see where you're coming from about Venables because they kind of have struggled a little bit. But dude, they're doing a hell of a damn good job at recruiting, dude. Like they're recruiting way better than they were when Lincoln Riley was there. So I mean. I think his leash is a little bit longer than probably what we would want to say. So, I mean, I think they're going to have an okay season, but I think how good they've been doing recruiting is going to transition really well to the SEC. So I think his leash will be a little bit longer. But if he struggles a a sizable amount this year and next year when they transition, then, yeah, I think he might be in that conversation. Yeah, man. Like, dude, they are in need for some beef up front, man. Like, like they're look, getting they, great positions though. Like OU was clearly the number one team in the Big 12, right? Clearly, mm-hmm. right? And then Texas, depending on what you look at or what era you looking in, you're looking at Vince Young, they were number one. Looking at Cole McCoy, they were number one. After that, they weren't necessarily number one, right? Oklahoma so, was. Right. Oklahoma was number one. In that time and now, right? Every damn year feels like after that. Exactly. So now you're looking at Texas, right, coming into the SEC. What – where are they? Like, 
because OU right now is probably depending on what what division they go in since we're not going to divisions, right? But if we could look at the division, they would probably go to the East or whatever, right? And they aren't the fourth best team in the East at this point. And if we're looking at Texas, they're not even they're not even in the top five in teams if they're going to the West. And it's the same. It's gonna be a rough transition, man. Like I don't think a lot of analysts, and I don't think a lot of experts realize. I don't think a lot of experts realize how rough of a transition it could really be for them. They've got good talent, but dude, I'm telling you, the water in the Big Twelve is not the same water in the SEC, dude. You're either gonna transition smoothly, or it's gonna be a bumpy ride, bro. And I don't know about you, but if I gotta put my money, I think it's gonna be a little bit of a bumpy ride. I do too, man. I, I like I said, I'm not. I hate to say, you know, coaches are gonna get fired, man. But to make this transition, you're gonna need some different dudes because they gonna have to. They gonna have to win recruiting, man. Like you gonna have to. You gonna have to get all of them states in the southeastern man states. You gonna have to start winning some of them recruiting battles, man. And so far, I mean, yeah, OU's recruited well for a Big 12 school, <laughs> but mm-hmm. not an SEC school, man. I just don't – I don't see it, man. I think, it's like you said, it's going to be a rough rough spot, rough transition from there, man. But that, those are my games to watch, man. Um, great games, great list, man. Great list of games, mm-hmm. man. I definitely, definitely going to tune in to, uh, to that Oregon-Washington. That's going to be something huge for me. I want to see that one. Uh, but – it's time for our best segment, our top five segment, man. Um, today's top five segment, man, is the worst college football hires ever. Now, we, you know, have a, some knowledge, but we're going to stick to most likely people that, that we've seen, that we saw just completely wet the bed, <laughs> as head coaches in college football. There's been plenty mm-hmm. of dudes back in the day that, that never made it at all. <laughs> but we're going to go probably with what we've seen. Like I said, we don't discuss our list, but I know my list is just people that I've seen with the bed completely. So um, you do the honors, man. Okay. So there's a couple of older guys on this list that I've included just because I think of the significance of the program they went to and just how things just went sour. I have a couple of those, but there are some on here that uh, you're going to know of. And there's, I think one that I gave a hint to earlier, I think you're going to get a real kick out of as well. So uh, at number five, dude, I've got Charlie Weiss at Kansas. Mm. So he leaves, he gets fired for Notre Dame. He goes to the league. He has some success with the chiefs and so on. And, Obviously, we know Kansas is a really tough job, man. I don't know what it is. Just the recruiting's hard and just matching up with some of those other teams, it is tough. But, man, like, he struggled, man. Six and 22, just had no control, just seemed just really abysmal, just could not. Yeah, it's a pretty – I personally like him as a coordinator. I don't think he's a head coach. I'm surprised he stayed at Notre Dame as long as he did. But, man, his tenure – in Kansas is definitely something to uh, not be talking about because it was not very smooth for him at all. No. Uh, at number four, I've got Greg Robinson from Syracuse, dude. Uh, at one point, Syracuse was 
up until like the last five, 10 years or so, Syracuse was very consistently a, a pretty good squad. Did good in recruiting, very good at competing in the northeast part of the country. Greg Robinson came in and completely pooed the bed and went five and 37. Just completely turned that program over on its head. And obviously it took them a while to shake back. And now they're a lot more respectable nowadays. And I, I'm a lot higher on Syracuse now than what I would have been maybe a decade ago, for sure. Uh, I'm going to, I guess, I hope you don't take this in shade, but at number three, I've got uh, Jennings Whitworth from Alabama. Back in, obviously, this is like in the 50s, but that was bad. I mean, the guy had a record of four, 24, and then two ties. Yeah, that was uh, bad. Just, it, it wasn't pretty. And this is kind of in that transitionary period before Bear Bryant and when Alabama really took off. Yeah. But I think they were still a sizable name, but he struggled a lot. Obviously, there's a lot to get into, but just looking from a record standpoint, man, unfortunately, he just did not get it done. Nah, he's bad, bro. Now, the, this is where stuff gets funny. Now, number two, I, I don't know if you know who Ellis Johnson is from Southern Miss. I've heard about him, yeah. Ellis Johnson, took over, Ellis Johnson took over a Southern Miss program that went 12-0 and the season before. Ellis Johnson comes in, and he finishes 0-12. Completely, complete 360. Nothing went right. Uh, I didn't get to do a whole lot of deep diving, but come on, man. Just from a significant standpoint – a team that didn't lose a game in the regular season the year before, and you completely flipped it over back on its head at 0-12. And, and after that, obviously, they had no choice but to fire you. I just can't imagine what that locker room or that coaching staff would have been like going through that. I just – if I had to go out on a limb, that must have been a very toxic environment to just have a program like, man, okay, we're really establishing ourselves. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, no, we're not. We are <laughs> – we're down like, in the dumps. Like, this is just not years. it. In two years, you won 12 games, and you lost 12 games. <laughs> you won 502 games. <laughs> I just thought that one was really funny from a record standpoint. So, yeah, I, dude, from going 12-0 to 0-12, I mean, you finished 500 in a two-year span. That's almost unheard of. And, I mean – but, dude, I mean, number one, dude, just from a significant standpoint, dude, I've got Rich Rodriguez. Dude, there was so much hype behind him leaving and coming to Michigan. Everybody thought that he was going to bring Michigan back to prominence and they were going to be a powerhouse and he was going to bring that offense in and they were going to rock the Big Ten. And, man, dude, there's so much you could say, man. Rich Rodriguez, like, just – fell flat on his face. It, it felt like even from the very beginning, it just never was going to work, unfortunately. They just yeah. they struggled. Their offense could not get it going, and, man, he just looked lost more times than not. He just did not look like his head was there, and he just didn't seem to have any control of them being in a position to win games at all. Uh, he was really good previously, but I do not think that he was ready for that coaching gig. I just think that was too big. That's a very big leap to leave where he left and go to a very big powerhouse school like that and be expected to win. I don't think he was a good fit, and I definitely don't think he was ready for a jump that big. All right, so great list, by the way, great list. Uh, I, like I said, I didn't know much about Ellis Johnson. Is that his name, Ellis Johnson? I don't really know mm -hmm. much about him, but that's a crazy turnaround, right? But Rich Rod, um, I think his problem was 
he didn't work on his offensive line much. And mm-hmm. the the offensive scheme that he had really worked in the Big East because he had an advantage in talent wise, right? He he had more talent than the rest of the Big East, right? So he could just run through them anyway, right? But going coming to the Big Ten at Michigan, although that is a big job, I thought he was ready for it. I just think that recruiting, he didn't get his offense and defensive line together. And when you're playing against teams like Ohio State, who at this time, I believe, had uh, Troy Smith, Tegan Jr., like some real guys on both sides of the ball, you're not going to out-athlete them, but you could at least be tougher. And his teams weren't tough at all. And they just got beat by Ohio State constantly, man. And that's really, I thought, was his downfall because they just felt like when the season came to an end, we weren't going to the Big Ten championship game or going to be the representative in the Rose Bowl because we just couldn't beat them. And I think this Mm -hmm. is before they went to division. So the winner of that game simply won the conference just because, you know, because you had beaten Ohio State, who were the number one team all the time. So you were going to win if you could just beat them, and they would never have beaten them with those teams. So mm-hmm. some good players. Uh, I love Denard Robinson. He was awesome. But he just – that just was it, man. They didn't really have nobody else, and that was it. So I love that. I love he was number one. But he was not number one on, on, my, on my list, man. So – Five, I'll start with Rich Rod. Obviously, uh, I don't think he he was a good fit. He had a chance to go to Alabama, but I think he would have had the same issue, like not trusting. Competition the, levels too high. Yeah, but not rebuilding, not putting an emphasis on your offensive line. Like that, that was a big issue for me, man, for him. And I think he would have went to Alabama and did the same thing, and it might have been the same result because – at that point, you got Urban Meyer. You wasn't beating those Urban Meyer teams without the line of scrimmage being tight. You wasn't beating Les Miles either. You wasn't beating Les Miles? Hell, you wasn't even beating uh, A.N. Ogeron. <laughs> or Thomas Upperville. None of that. None of that. Houston Nutt, you wasn't beating him. <laughs> Old Miss in Arkansas, you wasn't beating none of them dudes. So, yeah, I think you would have been in the same spot. But what makes this one of the worst hirings is just because – he had a failure to adapt, man. That's all. Mm-hmm. It's an adaption. And like they really didn't look at the whole thing. They just looked at the name. Oh man, he went to four bowl games and had Pat White at quarterback. They won all the bowl games, including two New Year's Sixes bowl games. So, you know, but what they should have looked at is how they lost the chance at the national championship game. That would have screamed to me, not a good hire. Because how you beat everybody and then lose to a four, five, and, and seven pit team. They have mm-hmm. no bowl game. This is a Thursday night, and you lose to them. Ain't no way. So, But that just shows you can't show up in a big moment. So imagine you go to a big conference like that. It's like, dude, you have big moments every damn week. How are you going to adjust to that? Exactly. So that should scream like, dude, you dropped the ball. We don't want you. Not here. So number four is Kevin Sumlin at Arizona. I thought that was a horrible Ooh, hire for a guy yeah, that, that, was not a good 
So a guy, look, it's not the fact that Kevin Sumlin is a bad coach, right? We're not mm-hmm. saying that. This is just a bad hire for them. A guy that literally just got fired from Texas A&M. And you want to go to Arizona and rebuild a program that was struggling already, right? And you don't really need to do that as a play, as a coach in your stature. So it was a bad, bad hire and a bad accepting of the job for Kevin Sumlin. Because he needed to go to a more established school. He didn't need to do anything. He needed to take time off. Like he didn't need to coach at all. He just needed to take some time off because that was just a horrible situation at at Texas A&M when he left. Because you had Johnny Manziel, that hype train, he left, right? But after that, was really bad. And they every single day, every single game, they talked about him being fired. It seemed like every game, the big games he would lose, the Bamas, the LSUs, the Auburns, all of that, he would just lose. And every single time he would be coaching, he would seem like he would lose those games. And it would seem like it was such a stress on him to just be competitive that you just need to time off before taking a job, man. And I think Arizona should have Mm -hmm. realized that and went in a different direction instead of getting a splash hire. Let's get somebody that can actually rebuild our program. But as you can see, the last Mm -hmm. few years, they have not learned their lesson because they hired number five on my list and Rich Rod. Rich Ryan making $10 million and they was winning like four games. So they didn't learn because they fired someone and then picked up Rich Ryan. So I seen a graphic like during a bowl game of the highest paid coaches and I was like, why is Rich Ryan up there? <laughs> Shouldn't he be top five, bro? He top four. He was top four at that time, man. Making $10 million at Arizona. Man, four games, dog. Not not cool, man. So, number four is definitely Kevin Sumlin. Number three is Willie Taggart, man, at Florida State. I thought that was a horrible move. Like, Willie Taggart was a hell of a football player. He was a good coach at uh, Oregon, man. But that's it. Like, he was just a good coach at Oregon. Like, he wasn't, like, a big name, bro. Like, and he coached them for, like, one season. And they won like eight games. I was like, bruh, what made you think that this was a good idea to hire this guy at Florida State? What made you think that? He won eight games at Oregon. And before that, I don't even know where he was. But before that, that wasn't nothing really appetizing. Like, what made you think that was a good idea, Florida State? Like, that, that, was, that was just not a good move, man. Now you set yourself back for the Mike Norvell era. Because you went this route, you know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. like I said, that was one of the worst hires, in my opinion, because they were so, they like, scrambling to find a guy. Like, I think everybody told them no. So, he was, like, maybe their 10th guy on the list. <laughs> and he just, <laughs> but, you know, this is our last option. We're just going to, you know, you were the first option. <laughs> yeah, I was like, bro, hey, man, you were our first option, man. We love you here. No, you weren't. No, you weren't. Everybody else <laughs> told them no, and you you just got the job. So that was absolutely horrible, man. Um, let me see. I flipped my one and two. Uh, number two is uh, Charlie Weiss, uh, Notre Dame. 
I feel like mm-hmm. that was a horrible spot, man. I think it was too much hype coming in as the champion from the New England Patriots. Uh, and Notre Dame hadn't won a championship or been in the championship picture since like the 80s. So mm-hmm. with that being said, you're not going to you're you're gonna hype this up, right? Give them a bunch of money. I mean, Brady Quinn is awesome, man. I love him. I, I'm high on Brady Quinn in college. I thought he was really good. But you don't have you don't recruit that well. Like I said, I think it's more about the university than it is him. But schematically, mm-hmm. offensively, they should have been way better, in my opinion. It's the same guy who recruited Jimmy Clausen, by the way. But you know what? Look, Jimmy Clausen coming out of high school was really good, man. Yeah. And I don't, I understand, agree, and but, uh, I don't understand what happened. But if you're – I officer, thought he was wiped in college. I don't think he should have been there after that. Huh? I mean, look, look. NFL, we already know he was he was bad, right? But college-wise, if you're an offensive guru, you should be able to help this dude play his game a little bit better, right? And I just felt like it was a horrible matchup. It was just a horrible fit, and I think he was vastly overhyped, man, and that's why he was mm-hmm. on my list. And they extended him for like 10 more years after they lost a bunch of bowl games. So I was like, you, he clearly can't win, and why would you do that? And that's what took him so long to leave to go to Kansas, which was another bad move. And we'll see how that goes, right? But like I said, he's a great offensive mind, and it just didn't work out. Number one on my list is Chad Morris at at Arkansas. That Mm -hmm. was absolute trash, okay? (laughs) Brett Bielema won – at least nine games a year. At the highest, he was going to win nine. And you was going to be competitive mm-hmm. against LSU. You was going to be competitive against Bama, even though it wasn't that competitive. But it was going to be a tough game. You was going to be competitive against Mizzou. All of that. But you was consistently winning. Why mm-hmm. would you change that to get a guy that runs the spread offense? Now, keep in mind, this is before LSU and, and all of that spread stuff started to really kind of marinate a little bit. You still had to run the ball a lot. The reason why Arkansas was in those games is because they ran the ball. You know what I'm saying? They ran mm-hmm. the ball. Like, that was that's how Arkansas is. They aren't good when they don't run the ball. Like, think about everybody. Houston Nutt was there. They had Dermot Fadden, Felix Jones, and Peyton Hillis. They ran the ball. Three 1,000-yard rushers and a Heisman candidate two years in a row, right? Perfect, right? Then you go to Sam Pittman nowadays. They got three rushers with 1,000 yards, and they look like they win some games, right? Then you look at Brett Bielema there. They win a, a bunch of games. So they're really successful. Yeah, he don't win the big game, but Arkansas's never been a national championship power, not for a very long time. So not since, did, like, the 50s. Exactly. So they should be balanced out, right? That's how they play. But you hire a guy who was at SMU, he didn't have a winning record there. Let's let's put that out there. He he was at the beginning of Dabo's tenure in Clemson. So because 
it looked like, oh my God, he's a visionary. And he goes to SMU. And SMU's been bad. And it's like, oh my God, he's rebuilding them. It works. Yeah, let's hire him in Arkansas so we can change our whole scheme. Doesn't work out. And he was, I believe, winless in all of his SEC games. Oh, man. All of them. That's a bad look. I That's a very bad look. won any of them. And he was winless in his that, games. That is like some Vanderbilt-type-ish, bro. Vanderbilt had like, a better record in the SEC than he did. But I'm just saying, <laughs> but, like, you know how Vanderbilt, like, recently they could not win in the SEC? That's, like, on the same tier as that. Yeah. Like, that's nuts. That's you can't why, win one conference game. Like, that's crazy. That That's why – Um, that's exactly why he's, uh, he's number one on my list. Now, some honorable mentions. I didn't really get into that. I should have started with that. But one of my honorable mentions was Ron Zook at Florida. Now, yeah, I, Ron, I did go through his name too. Ron Zook, for people to understand, was the heir apparent to Steve Spurrier. Okay. Mm-hmm. The old ball coach. Okay. Heisman winner at Florida, national championship coach at Florida. So coming behind him with some big shoes to fill. Right. <laughs> we understand that. I'm cool, but I know damn well that uh, Spurrier left that cupboard full of talent when he left. It was some good players there. Not Maybe everybody could put it together, though. Man, look, I'm just saying, dude, you ain't got to change nothing, and you're a defensive dude, so don't even worry about offense. Just let them play the way they've been playing and call it a day. Just call your defense, man. But he couldn't even do that. And Florida went into shambles within those last three years he was there. They were absolutely trash. And then here comes the savior, Urban Meyer, who brings them back. Mm-hmm. Right? But nobody could forget that Zion, that Ron Zook era. That was absolutely trash. Completely. How do you drop mm-hmm. the ball like that? That dude, Steve Spurrier, built that program almost seamlessly from nothing. They came out of nowhere. I don't know. I don't care who you are, SEC historian or whatever. Florida coming with that funny gun offense, man, I don't think anybody knew they was coming. And that came out of nowhere, and they was consistently in the national championship picture for at least at least 10 years, at least, eight at, at least, 10 at the moment. Mm-hmm. And to, for you to take over that job and just run into the ground, Completely, completely trash. Honorable mention, definitely. But, yeah. Great list. Though. That's a good list, man. Great list, man. I told you it was going to be different, man. I told you. I, I Look, I just know coaches that was like, well, nasty, man. <laughs> just like, yeah. dude. And I could have put Charlie Weiss at Notre Dame. I just, I, I would agree that that tenure is probably higher than Kansas, but I think just the fact that Kansas just went absolutely nowhere. I'm like, we already knew you were kind of like in a struggle, but then you go there and it just like just shows that much more. I guess that's why I put that tenure compared to the other one. Yeah, I mean, look, I I wanted, look, (laughs) I would have put Kansas having a couple coaches on there, man. Oh, dude, that's that's one of those jobs that just doesn't work. 
Yeah, a couple of them, man. Because it was this guy, Turner Blue or something like that. He was there, didn't win no games. They was like winless for like three years in the Big 12. So I was like, oh, no, I want to put him on there. But I was like, nah, nah, that's just because they suck. All right, let me see something else. And then you got uh, – You know who another bad hire is, though? Who? Will Muschamp in South Carolina. No, 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 no. I'm not going to let you do that. I'm not going to let you do that. I'm not going to let you do that. Nope, I'm not going to do that. Here's why I'm not going to let you do that. Because Muschamp literally had them competing, right? They, Like I said, that's another team that's never supposed to be in the national championship picture. But they're supposed to be competitive, which is what they were. But he's a defensive guy. He could never get an offensive philosophy together, right? And that's okay. Even when he was in Florida, the same thing. The same thing, right? But it's at Florida, I felt like he just had a lot of injuries at quarterback. Really unlucky. Like every year, his quarterback would get hurt, no matter who it was, every single year. And that would derail a lot of his seasons, right? At South Carolina, I I can't really say it was a bad hire because defensively, they were really good. And they won some games and some games they weren't supposed to. You remember they upset uh, Georgia one year. So, and the reason for that was defense. So I'm not going to say that was a bad hire, but if he's going to get another job somewhere, he's going to have to get in touch with offense now today. Like, because defense is kind of secondary to winning games. Oh, you dude. Have to be able you to know. Score points. That you know who that reminds me of though, Bo Pelini. Yeah. Okay. okay. Dude, because think about it. Because when he went to Nebraska, he he was doing okay. He was doing okay. But I'm not even gonna bring up his Nebraska tenure. I'm gonna talk about when Ed Orgeron thought it was a good idea not even to interview him at all and just hire him, and how abysmal that defense was. That they knew nothing of what they were doing. You could see physically in games where safeties are trying to check down and talk to linebackers like, what the hell are we doing? Where the hell do we need to be at? And they're getting freaking torched by Missouri and all these other teams. I'm like, what is going on? Your defensive schemes were so outdated. If Missouri's torching you, that's bad. No disrespect to Missouri, but, dude, like, there's no way a team of that many athletes should be giving up points like that defense is giving up points. That's just a funny example to me, just in a short period of time. Okay. Um, look, I, if we're going to get into coordinators, I think one of the worst hires was um, Josh Gaddis last year. That was, that was pretty bad for, uh, for Miami, man. Like, dude, he won the uh, assistant of the year the year prior. And I'm like, oh, he looking good, man. Another Bama guy getting another job, man. He's going to be a head coach someday. I was like, oh, Miami finna light it up. They got crystal ball there. You know, Manny Diaz left the cupboard bare with some good defensive players. And all crystal ball got to do is rebuild the trenches, man. And that's what he does. He's an offensive lineman, man. All-American. Offensive lineman coach. That's what he do. Nah, bro. Instant train wreck. That was trash, man. That was trash, man. They couldn't do nothing right on offense, man. I think if you wrote the play on their hand and they just looked down to see what they're supposed to do, I don't think they would have been able to do it, man. 
I don't know what it was, whether it was the way he was leading the locker room or whatever, but that was absolutely horrible, man. I ain't never seen offense just look like lost like that. And he did, man. And that was bad, man. But like I said, that was our closing argument, man. Uh, great show, man. This is episode 16 of the college football show that we love but the football frame of mind podcast don't forget but before we get up out of here anything you gotta say man we just want to thank you guys for watching man we'll just be honest there is a huge percentage of you guys that are clicking videos and y'all getting watch time and y'all really enjoying the videos but y'all not subscribing how are y'all supposed to be able to keep up if y'all can't get all the content just like it Comment, subscribe so you don't miss a beat. Hit the bell notification so you literally can catch every single video as it drops, when it drops. Have a bunch of content to watch. Y'all just, I, we would just really appreciate. We appreciate all the guys that have subscribed. But man, if y'all could just take the time out and do it, man, we will have a lot of good content be ready for y'all. Couldn't have said it better myself, man. All right, I'm Cam. That's Brandon. This is 